0: Hello and welcome to Black Mirror Cracked, the podcast for all your Black Mirror needs. My name's Sitchandrika and I'll be your host. Today we've got a guest Skyping in all the way from LA. She's in the episode USS Callister and she plays both the receptionist and a blue-skinned alien on board the ship. Her name's Melanca Brooks, and let's see what she has to say. The first glimpse of that spaceship, what did that feel like? Toby's first uh, request
1: um, with his iPhone video out um, was that I say some lines like, Shields at 54%, so Shields at 54% um, on set. Um, Even though I wasn't fully in costume, he just needed that just to feel like the world had begun. Well, when I first got the script, um, it was it was actually two scenes for my audition. Um, and my audition was um, a self-tape, so I filmed it um, just in my apartment um, in London. And the two scenes didn't really give anything away. Um, it was actually the first two scenes. So the very first scene set in the 1960s um, with all the funky outfits and hair and everything. And the second scene where we go into Callister, Inc., Um, and Daley sort of comes out more as his real life um, self um, from the lift um, and that sort of interaction that I have with him there. So nothing was really given away um, at that point. So when the script then came through, um, I was sort of really obviously intrigued um, because, first of all, we had a lot of comedy in our um, script, certainly in the the two scenes that I started with. So um, my sort of hopes were already that the episode was going to have elements of comedy in it. Um, And then I sort of, once I got the script, read the first page and it says, um, Elena Talaska, the glamorous head of security of the USS Callister and also a bald blue alien. So um, (laughs) this wasn't something that was actually mentioned in my audition script. So I had no idea that I was blue, um, an alien or bald. Um, So as soon as I sort of read that, I thought, right, long days. I'm going to be first in, last out every day. Um, not that that's a bad thing, but, um, yeah, I, I suddenly just went, wow, this character has just taken on a whole new form. But the script itself is just – it was wonderful because it was—it came in at sort of 90-odd pages when I first – the sort of first edit um, just before we went into filming, and um, – you know, like I said, with the, with the little snippets of comedy sort of interlaced between the, this, what, what people expect from Black Mirror, which is, you know, the dark, the very dark sort of images and the quite sort of tyrannous characters that can flow throughout. I just thought the script was really um, exciting because the momentum just sort of kept building. Um, throughout, um, And it's also sort of interjecting between real life Callister, Inc., and then back to sort of Space Fleet mod it was just a really interesting um, dynamic throughout the script. So it, it sort of blew me away a little bit. And I'd already seen um, Shut Up and Dance, which William Bridges um, co-wrote with Charlie. Um, I forget which season that was. I think it was season three. Um, so I already knew that the, the script was going to sort of come in um, at a pace and very strong. Um, and it absolutely sort of lived up to that. Um, so so yeah, I mean, I think even when you watch it, the first five minutes, which on paper was the first sort of seven pages, I think, is so sort of powerful that, you know, you kind of know that you're set up for what's going to be quite an exciting story.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's really clever having the fourth season open with this very retro look. It looks unlike Black Mirror and you don't know what to expect when you go into it I I spoke to someone else who's in season four. that Gina Bramhill plays the voice of coach and hang the DJ and I said you know which which other episode would you be in which other female role would you take on maybe because there's some great lead roles and she said something from USS Callister because you get two for the price of one did it feel like (laughs) that for you in terms of playing the character
1: um yeah it was it yeah I mean I think, I mean, the the sort of, the the role that is, you know, the the most wonderful role in in the whole episode. Of course, Jesse's role um, as Captain Daly is quite magnificent and and the way in which he performs it is wonderful. But um, Kristen um, Milioti brings such depth to um, Minette Cole that, you know, to be honest, once we were all on set, it was just you know, we all became very close very quick. And um, as a crew, we sort of ended up doing a lot of things together, both on set and off. So when we sort of flipped from Callister back into Callister Inc., it it was just nice because the story sort of, you know, the storytelling was already there because the writing is so strong. And as actors, we just had a chance to Um, continue playing with each other on set um, in the way that we did. Callister, the USS Callister scenes took sort of the the most part to film, so that was a good three weeks. And then we sort of flipped into the J.J. Abrams um, spaceship, which was quite incredible because um, I'm sure, you know, anyone having seen Callister will, will have seen that the production design is just you know out of this world um on this episode and so you know coming from the first day where we you know all had the honor of turning up to this wonderful spaceship that was built actually in London sadly you know not in some exotic location or in space for anyone who's wondering you know we then we then snapped straight into this again sort of very sort of sleek and um, you know, sort of grayish set, to, which is where we then end up when we sort of break through the wormhole. So everything was given to us in the sense of it was quite easy to adapt ourselves as our characters into the world that we were then in because of the extravagance by which they sort of created these sets. Also, Callister Inc. is another perfect example. You know, I'm on reception and sort of, you know, flipping away on my on my iPhone on this actually what ended up being in the in the actual final cut was was i'm looking at the Hang the dj app so i'm actually looking at a dating app whilst i'm at reception but i think that was something that they decided later on but in terms of characters you know again we were just sort of given everything that we needed because of everything that went into it which included the costume you know um the again the production design the makeup it was it was all sort of done for us but you know any chance to play two characters and something, yes, I'd take it every time.
0: With them, so was it like blue body paint, or what? What was that stuff that you had to put on? As
1: it was like a spray, um, like a body spray that that went on. I was in the makeup chair at five thirty every morning, um, and we'd start with the prosthetics, which were sort of all molded to my face after having done a big sort of um, head cast, and then we went into the spray painting, which was. Several different colours put together, and all very sort of masterfully done by our head of makeup, Tanya Lodge. My hands were then spray painted blue, so it meant that um, I couldn't drink anything because, in case it ran down my face, the blue would smudge. Um, so I was drinking coffee through straws, and um, I'd sort of I'd eat nuts with a spoon. <laughs> um, so it was quite it was quite a process. But the tights um, that my legs were were tight, so um, you know I did sort of have some manoeuvrability, but for the most part it was um a little bit testing because everything sort of had to be done um for me and I had to make sure that the blue did not um sort of get on anybody or get on the set or anything like that, which sometimes was quite challenging. Um and especially for the kiss with Jesse, that came at a time in the day when Essentially, there was nothing else left to film because we just didn't really know how much blue was going to end up on him and um, how long it would take to get it off and how long it would take to re- redo me and all this sort of stuff. So it was definitely a process, but um, I absolutely loved every moment of it. I mean, that when the blue came off, I wasn't quite sure who I was anymore, to be honest. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see daylight for those three weeks. In the evenings, I'd go for um, a steam room just to get the blue off. And um, I'd always shock any guests um, of this hotel that I was in who were in the steam room at the same time because there'd be this sort of trickle of green that would come behind my ears um, and sort of run down me. So I think, you know, I think probably everybody else was happy that the blue stopped, but I was actually quite happy. I could have continued for a long, long time.
0: And also, once the blue's off, you can't demand people spoon you nuts anymore, so...
1: I I, I had to, you know, even on set when I i try not to but whenever I did sort of occasionally need to go you know to the ladies room I'd have to you know ask someone who'd then ask someone else and then eventually there was just this sort of big trail of uh, everybody can't needs the toilet Melanka needs the toilet um, and so it was just this thing where I just felt like my privacy was just sort of gone for those three weeks um, and you know people had to help me do absolutely everything but um, in doing that I got to be friends with so many great people um, who know absolutely every single part of me right now. <laughs> so
0: the, the shooting schedule almost hinges a lot on you when you're in the scene. Because is she blue or not? Because you play both. Well,
1: this is it. For the first um, two weeks, um, I was in every shot. Uh, well, every scene anyway. Me, myself, Jimmy, and Paul and Ozzy, who play Nate Packer and Kabir Dudani. Um, all four of us were in every single scene. Michaela wasn't in for some days because, as the Arachnajax, it means that she has some time off. Um, and Kristen, you know, her character doesn't get introduced for a little bit, and then at other times she's um, on Skalane 4, or, you know, the, the planet with, daily. So. But the four of us were pretty much always, in fact, we were always on the ship. So it it did mean, I mean, I was fine. I I was sort of up at 4.15 every morning and just ready to go. But um, it did mean that, you know, in terms of the scheduling, it it must have been really, really hard for Andy, our first, um, who's brilliant, um, because they had to sort of essentially try and do a couple of shots before I got on set, and then they could do the wide shot um, once I was on, but I didn't get to set until nine o'clock, um, because you know, I. To be fair, none of the makeup team nor myself wanted to get into makeup at four thirty in the morning to finish by eight um, uh, for the for the shoot time for the you know for the start of the day. So we started at five thirty, and we finished at nine. So there was this hour that people just sort of had to, you know, fill. So that you know, everyone just did such a wonderful job, considering it was television, you know. I know that when you look at, you know, the Star Wars, the J.J. Abrams, um, you know, Star Treks and things like that, of course there are huge budgets and there's always going to be time constraints, but there's a little bit more, um, I think, freedom to do things on, on a film set, whereas on, in television, you sort of have to keep moving because y- you don't have months to make it. You know, you have like four weeks to make it. So, it just meant that everybody from the crew down to the runners across to, you know, especially first AD director, um, Charlie Annabelle, of course, and the actors, you know, everyone just had to be at the top of their game and switched on and ready to go at all times for that sort of concentrated period of time. And I feel like the effect of that somehow has meant that it does have quite a filmic sort of feel to it, um, which is really, wonderful to see.
0: Even Charlie Brooker, when I interviewed him, he said he took his kids to the set and they're like, my God, dad has got a spaceship. (laughs) He's
1: so nice. He insisted on not being hugged. So I went out of my way every time he came on set to go and give him a big hug, um, despite my blue. Um, So uh, I sort of always tried to keep him on his toes when he was on set. And actually that day when he brought his kids in, I, I felt terrible because a lot of the crew did often bring their kids in and um, you know they'd sort of come on set and they'd be like wow this is like this really amazing spaceship and they'd start sort of playing with all the like you know buttons that even as Michaela says her character they don't actually do anything but they're all sort of there looking great and there's lights and this and that Um, And then they sort of look at me and sort of run off in between their parents and just sort of not know um, what on earth was in front of them. So um, I I tended not to speak to to Charlie's kids or anyone else's kids too much just for fear that um, that might actually put them off um, ever approaching anyone ever again um, in life. So after the read-through that we had, Charlie then sort of added um, new bits of text for us all, new bits of dialogue, and um, I think having – sort of gone quite far in the direction of her dry witted humor in the read through Charlie then sort of started integrating um, some new lines in there which sort of added to that so you know I'm, I'm not saying that by any means I'm responsible for any of my lines but I think it's that sort of it's that collaboration between a character and the way in which someone plays the character working and then also the writer in this case Charlie then sort of going actually that's good I like that this this then we can add this and this and this so I found that there was more and more scope as we went on to sort of really um, play around with that. And actually, I think you know it, it fits that Elena, the receptionist, is also quite um, you know dry witted and sort of nonchalant um, and not really bothered. I think um, that feeds in certainly very well. And that's obviously all Charlie's writing with you know the dynamic that that is that we all sort of either in the real world we're not bothered by um, daily or you know on the ship where we detest him and you know we're we're sort of completely sort of disinterested in anything that he says so you know i think in that respect yeah the, the the dry witted humor it's all charlie's ideas it's just that um i managed to incorporate that with my eastern european wit
0: he said that it sounds like Charlie came on the set quite a bit and, and tried to not get hugged. But um uh, what what kind of input did he have?
1: I he 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 often came on set but we wouldn't often see him. Annabelle was there, our episode filmed second in order. So there was still three, four, five and six to do. So naturally Charlie was um incredibly busy for um the majority of the time that we were filming in writing the next episodes. But Annabelle was there pretty much the whole time. So we'd see her quite a lot um but she'd often be sort of hidden behind some screen somewhere off sort of in in the main stage area but behind our set um and you know so when Charlie did come in it was you know it was just lovely to see it's always nice to see them together I think it doesn't really make sense to see Annabelle without Charlie or Charlie without Annabelle so um it was just always a real pleasure to have them both um on set and you know Charlie and Annabelle were very very um aware of everything that was happening in the developmental process, you know, all the pre-production, certainly during production, and they were incredibly involved in post-production as well, because I, I'm sure every episode for Charlie is his baby. But I think given that Callister sort of, with its comedic sort of undertones and and also the fact that, you know, this dystopian future that we always talk about and we understand like Mirror's to be, um, is slightly kind of challenged and sort of flips our understanding of what Black Mirror is because it's set in space so I think they all eyes were on Callister to make sure that the tone was right um but you know Charlie outside of work um is is just brilliant they both are they we we managed to all have a few dinners together because of the American cast being in London um which is you know it was quite a rare thing um and they were also so happy to be in London and especially to be a part of Black Mirror I didn't even realize Black Mirror was like so big in America until they came over and they were just sort of losing it they were like oh my god you guys we're doing Black Mirror I was like okay obviously that's a good thing in America and so you know we all hung out quite a lot and um I I got to know Charlie quite well we we always talked about everything other than Black Mirror our love of you know documentaries and you know silly anecdotes and stuff like that so you know as you say I think Charlie Brooker when you meet him is a very different person to this sort of powerhouse force that we know him to be.
0: What's, what's Annabelle's involvement then like what what kind of does she add to the process and um, what are her strengths I suppose?
1: Well I think um, you know like I said there would be no I mean I mean in the world of Black Mirror, this is not beyond this, but there would be no sort of Charlie if there wasn't an Annabelle and there would be no Annabelle if there wasn't Charlie. So although Charlie's name is sort of there in terms of the writing, um, you know, it is such a collaborative um, process between the two of them to come up with you know because th- when you think about um anything set in the dystopian future with the type of technology that's coming out every day and the type of stories and you know um shocks that that can bring to our, our modern culture the the stories are endless so they really have to narrow it down and sort of put their heads down together and figure out what the best stories are for say that season to tell so um you know they really do work very very closely together in all of that and you know like i said annabelle's always on set um whilst charlie's off writing the next episode and in post they are very much um a, a duo as well they're they're a team you know pretty much everything has to go by both of them um when it comes to the edit you know the grades the sound um and of course, when you start at the beginning, you've got, you know, the director who comes in, you know, the which producers they choose, because for the most part, you know, with Black Mirror episodes being sort of standalone films in their own right, it's quite hard to have a um, sort of through line of crew that remain on all projects. So there tends to be new crews, you know, they'll, they'll decide on the heads of department for each episode. And so, you know, it's a huge beast um, when when you think about it. So... Thank goodness, there's two of them, and you know, we, you know, even when we had dinners together, we'd all have um, dinner with with both of them. And you know, Annabelle is just she's so, as you say, she's so funny, she's so witty, she's so sharp. I sometimes wonder, you know, if if she should be writing as well because you know she really is on point with um, you know absolutely everything. And when I when I came into one of the dinners, I, I was very late because it took seven people to get me ready and five people to sort of derobe me if that makes sense um and I arrived a little bit late for this dinner with with all of our crew and as in Callister crew and then Charlie Annabelle and Jodie Foster was in town because she was finishing the edit for Archangel, because that filmed first. And uh, I came in and Jodie looked at my hands that were still slightly green because we hadn't managed to sort of scrub it all off in time because, needless to say, there wasn't time for this wonderful steam room that, that evening. Um, and Jodie sort of looked at my hands in shock and was like, uh, and I sort of suddenly froze, mainly because it's Jodie Foster in front of me and I didn't really know what to say, um, apart from my mouth moved and nothing came out. And then Annabelle just sort of suddenly came out of nowhere all sort of you know she just looks wonderful all the time even though she hates me saying that and um, she just suddenly sort of like came in between us and she went oh Jodie don't worry about her hands she plays and because I, I of course I wasn't allowed to tell anyone anything about me being blue or anything about the episode so I didn't even know if I could tell Jodie why I was blue um all my hands were green so um fortunately Annabelle saved my bacon and sort of came in and made me look slightly less gaulness than I was looking already and um just sort of explained that I'm actually playing a blue alien and you know the the the, all the sort of spray paint hasn't quite come off yet so not to be alarmed and then I just sort of turned to Jodie and went yeah no I'm not really dirty so don't don't worry about that and then she sort of looked at me funny and then um walked off so you know Annabelle is there at the best of times to help us um (laughs) when we're in our moment of need too.
0: I love that you mention um the Hang the DJ app which it takes a viewing or two and a look at Reddit to um to notice that are you are you sort of a a Black Mirror fan you interested in the easter eggs and the connections like that
1: yeah I mean you know I I'm so I get sort of lost sometimes in all the sort of linking up of things it's only when something sort of like glaringly obvious to me that I then go oh that was in that episode and actually the only I'd already seen um Callister uh, like a week or so before it came out on Netflix and I did not spot it and I don't even think our director spotted it um you know I can't speak for Toby but I don't think he did so there were just sort of interesting things that you discover but it was only through reading about them that I actually found out. So I think that's for the sort of super fans that really kind of know what exactly to look out for. And that, that perhaps maybe I could blame my eyesight, but I, I don't think that's sort of fair. I think I'm just not quite as on it as um, some other people.
0: I think it takes a good people of Reddit to point the stuff out. I wouldn't wouldn't be able to do yeah. that episode without them. <laughs> um in terms of that, there's kind of like three great female characters in USS Callister and there are great strong female leads across the season but you've got like three in the episode um mm. what, what do you think of that especially in a time of hashtags like me too and times out that's kind of a step forward I guess
1: yeah absolutely um I think you know if you look at pretty much every episode of season four um there's a strong female lead in every single one and um it's quite I, I've always said you know even before I started with Black Mirror that um, Charlie writes incredibly well for women. And that's probably also, you know, with um, due fact that Annabelle is often there as well, but he's just got a real sort of um, sympathy and a sensitivity for um, women and and, and their stories. So, you know, it was just, you know, an absolute, first of all, it was an absolute honour to be performing with Michaela Cole and Kristen Milioti anyway. Um but then, you know, as it started being revealed who were other lead females in other episodes, I can speak about, you know, other series, of course, of Black Mirror, but particularly for season four just because that's what's on at the moment. You know, when I found out that Maxine Peake was in Metalhead, I sort of nearly lost it because I've I've absolutely loved her career since the get go and I I was just so, I think Metalhead was the one that I was the most excited to see because of the fact that, you know, Maxine Peake was in it. I think, yeah, it is a time where, you know, there are so many, like, female stories to be told from a female perspective. And I think regardless of Charlie being a man, I think, he like I said, he does really understand um, the the sort of plight of of women very, very well. That's clearly shown in San Junipero um, and, you know, many other stories. But I think that... You know the list is endless. You've got Andrea Riseborough in Crocodile. What an incredible performance again. You know, so it, it's 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 an honour to be a part of something that you know we're in a process of change, and you know I think Charlie Brooker and Black Mirror represents a, a sort of strong part of that. Kristen's character, Nanette Cole, she she just has this incredible journey where. You know, she, she's not going to take, you know, his kind of power and abuse of power. At all, so she she sort of comes in and she tries to get us to you know change our ways. we're sort of set in this world um as the initial callister crew where we're just used to this world of um just being abused by him and just being mistreated by him and she she won't have it you know she comes in as this real sort of force to be reckoned with, and you know she tries to come up with a plan in order for us to essentially escape and you know as you know in in the episode the first plan doesn't really go to plan and then you know Michaela's character Shania she gets turned into an arachnajax by Daily, but Nanette doesn't stop she sort of goes no we can we can still do this she keeps sort of plowing through she keeps fighting Nanette's story is a really interesting one because it gives us a chance to see that like Things can end well. You know, I like the fact that that Callister ends on a sort of high and you wonder, you know, what will happen to the Callister crew um, in the cloud with Infinity, you know, in front of them. So it it definitely does give a positive outlook as opposed to some of the other episodes that, you know, certainly in terms of storytelling, aren't able to end um, on such a high.
0: Daly has been abusing his staff. He's been doing it in a fictional world. We
1: initially side with Daly, of course, as his, you know, first character but then you know we sort of we start to learn about his true nature and how he you know he abuses his position of power um which is ultimately something that that is happening quite a lot at the moment not not just in any sort of specific fields but across the board and this is something that's coming up in you know modern media can't speak for charlie but i don't think in his case he would necessarily have written the episode with you know x story in mind or y story in mind you know so i think it's sort of up to us to decide sort of what what we interpret this story to be
0: what what about some of some of the celebrity cameos were you around when kirsten dunce was there and aaron paul did his recording Um, as well yeah,
1: I I was around. I wasn't actually on set the day that um, Kirsten came on set, um, but we we'd met because we'd all had dinners and stuff together before. But um, I we it sort of had travelled around that um she she'd sort of suggested or, or said as a funny joke or something. Um, oh I can just pop in in the background, and so it ended up happening because who would turn her down? Of course. Um, so she ended up yeah just just popping in for this cameo. Um, and I um didn't know that Aaron Paul was going to be doing. A Voiceover at the end. Um, that was something that we were all um, given as a surprise when we had our cast and crew and press screening um, the week before Black Mirror came out on Netflix. So um, that was just a little extra added bonus, to be honest. <laughs> In between every single tape, take, especially me and Michaela, we just sort of run straight over to the to the heaters and just sort of start like turning around like a spit roast, basically, just trying to like heat ourselves up because it was freezing. Um, but you know, being on the set was was just incredible. And then I think I sort of touched on it earlier when we came back for the sort of last scene where we've got the lens flares and all the J.J. Abrams-style set. That It was just incredible. They they managed to turn it around pretty much overnight. Um, I think it was overnight. And, you know, obviously the shell of the set was the same, but every colour, every light, every kind of... You know, everything had been thought about, and I, I wish there was sort of like an outtakes version of our episode. Um, firstly, it's always fun to see the making of anything, but also just to see the, the detail at which the, you know, production design and the art directors had gone to, to make the monitors and all the buttons and everything just look so true to life you know I've never been on a spaceship to be fair but um you know it was just so sort of complex and so well thought out and all the buttons actually pushed and you know it was just it was just really really like wonderful and then when the screens would suddenly pop up and all these different you know when when Kristen has to find Scalane 4 and um you know all these images pop up it, it absolutely blew me away um how they managed to do that. Even the pyrotechnics were brilliant. You know, when, when we're sort of hitting all the asteroids and things like that and we're being thrown from side to side and then um, there's explosions and things. You know, they, they, they had little, you know, thingies, whatever they are, planted in all of the lights and in all the little sort of cracks that you'd never see that all exploded at the same time. And it, it, was, it was absolutely... Incredible! It 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 just seemed such a shame that they had to take it down. I I just wish it could have stayed there forever, to be honest. When when the Tommy scene happened, the guy that you weren't expecting to to bring any kind of sort of dark story to something suddenly did, and you're you're sort of going well. What is the story? And it's so, you know, I I did say this to the director the other day. I wish but you know, for, for reasons of it being a TV episode, it's not possible. I wish there was a way in which we could have seen more of Jimmy's performance um, throughout that monologue. Obviously, for the purposes of telling the story, we needed to make cuts to Tommy and him being thrown out of the ship and all of that. But he just did it so, so, so well. Um and, I, 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 you know, it, it almost changed my opinion of him, actually, when I saw him do that. Suddenly he took on a whole new kind of realm for me as well. So um, I think that piece of writing was quite genius from Charlie, again, just because it, it gave us all sort of validity and, our, and justification in order to really push hard for our final kind of, what's the word, sort of conclusion for our, for, for our final fight to get what we want and escape Captain Daly's world.
0: And yeah. actually, this ten of cruelty to a child is what makes kind of everyone go, "God, there's more to Walton than we thought," yeah. and th- this is really disgusting. What's going on? Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely, they have to get out, and um, and it will happen again and again if if they let the DNA stay there. I actually, um, I've one one question. Were you you were there on set? I guess when Kristen Miliotti, um, Jesse Plemons' character, took her face away, how how yes. did that work? That is so horrifying.
1: I <laughs> know. Um. I think Kristen had been measured before and so there was like a face mask that was put on top of her and the camera, you know, she she had to sort of find a position and freeze in it and then the face mask was put on and then she'd continue the scene like that. So it was very much also on Kristen to find that link um, between the two and I hadn't actually, for obvious reasons, seen any of her fittings with the mask or anything like that. So when we all saw it on set, it really was like quite, I mean, very shocking and harrowing to see what, you know, a- any natural, even though we knew it was essentially makeup and, and props, it was still, um, all we wanted to do was just pull it off her face and make sure that she could breathe properly, you know. Um, and then equally, when Michaela's turned into the arachnojax uh, a lot of it was on Michaela again. She had to suddenly drop to the ground and start sort of convulsing and make it make odd shapes and start screeching and screaming and slowly build herself up whilst her arms were flailing all over the place. And, you know, her body language was certainly very sort of taut and um, sort of just mad, basically. Um, and what happened was that there were some guys that came in with, like, I think you may have heard this on the press screening, like, some silver balls and, like, just sort of did things around her. And and then there was, like, this big white ball that came in. And, you know, from nothing, they managed to create this arachnojax around Michaela's, like, contorted movements. And, you know, then when you watch it on screen, all of a sudden you've got this CGI'd massive monster. And, you know, Kristen is quite clearly suffocating in 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 her sort of no face so um it's absolutely overwhelming i i couldn't there was no way i could have imagined when i was on set having also not worked in you know sci-fi and you know prosthetics and cgi to this extent before there was no way that i could have ever imagined that the outcome would be quite as spectacular as it was I mean, I I would absolutely love to work with everyone again, without a doubt. Um so, you know, we'll leave that we'll leave that in the hands of the powers that be. Um and until then, yeah, just keep keep watching well, season five of Black Mirror whenever that comes out. Um, which potentially will I, I would imagine will be twenty nineteen.
0: With Charlie Brooker having to cancel screenwap and stuff and just just speaking to people who've worked on on Black Mirror, it's I'm really getting a sense of how big an undertaking this is. for. You know, it's pretty much Charlie and Annabelle
1: at the helm of it. And then, you know, they, they often use a couple of producers for each um, series or season. Um, and that's, you know, and there, uh, there's a guy who, who's the head of production design who's been on it since the beginning. But apart from them, everyone else is like new for each project. Or you know, coming back from a previous project or something else, you know. So it's absolutely huge. Hundreds and hundreds of people are involved in the making of six standalone films each year. You know, they they are because they're standalones, and because each story is its own kind of harrowing tale, it's quite hard to binge watch. So I I do tend to find that at least people tend to take six days, <laughs> as in one per day, um, rather than two. But you know, that some people do also choose to binge watch it. But I, what I like about it is that it's sort of I feel like at the end of each episode, you need to sort of go away, have a think, have a breather, um, you know, maybe have like an alcoholic drink just to sort of like calm your nerves and then, you know, prepare yourself for the next one, potentially the next day. So that's what I like. I like that it kind of sticks to that there's sort of something a little bit different about it. We can't sort of rinse it in one day. I mean, if if anyone out there has, then good for you. Um, you should probably get a medal because um, that's, that's pretty gruesome.
0: I, I could watch two a day, but I wouldn't have said I'd taken it in and I think my co-host for season four Ryan would say the same so there's yeah. the, the watching to say you've watched it and there's the watching to actually take it in and that probably involves a second watching and it's it's worth the fully taking it in so
1: I, I definitely did that with Sanji Naparo like I think the first time I watched it I was like okay okay I get it I get it but then you kind of you know because of all the intricacies that are written in and also because of you know, the really clever, you know, as I keep going, coming back to the production design of the whole thing, you kind of, it it, it it is worthwhile going back a second time in order to kind of really sort of go through it with a little bit more of a fine tooth comb and, and and sort of appreciate the artistry behind it.
0: Thanks so much to Milanka for Skyping in all the way from LA. If you'd like to tweet us, please do get in touch at blackmirror, so that's C with three R's, or you can get me directly on at Sachandra C And, um... Please do let us know what you thought this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please do rate, review, subscribe, click all the stars. Tell all your friends about it, but don't put them in a fake spaceship and be cruel to them. So that's all from me this week. Speak to you soon. Goodbye.